Welcome to Smart Casual, Images Fashion Podcast in collaboration with Kildare Village, dealing with personal style in a way that speaks to you. Hosted by me, Fashion Director Marie Kelly. And me, Eugene O'Connell, Image.ie staff writer. And me, Sarah Rickard, fashion stylist and creative consultant. In our 20s, 30s and 40s, we're three women across three decades with three unique perspectives on how fashion shapes the world. Fashion and personal style are about a lot more than the clothes we choose to put on every morning. They're about the world we live in and who we choose to be. There's a lot to talk about when it comes to fashion and we certainly love a chat. Welcome to Smart Casual. Welcome to Smart Casual. Later in this episode, I'm going to be chatting to Irish knitwear designer Zoe Jordan. But first, your high of the week, Sarah. Well, my high of the week um, is a little bit self-indulgent, but I do a weekly series on my Instagram called Try On Tuesday, where I get to try on clothes from different shops and boutiques. I know it well. (laughs) Have you seen it? (laughs) (gasps) Um, And last week I went out to Emporium Clue in Nace. Um, Clue is one of my favourite boutiques. They've been in Nace for 22 years. That's incredible that they've actually been there for 22 years. Yeah, yeah. So uh, the girls that set it up set up quite a small boutique um, in the village and it just got so popular that um, they opened quite an amazing um, boutique and called it Emporium Clue. I think it was just Clue before, but it is an emporium. Like you walk Mm. in and it's, it's such an experience from the second you walk in the door. The building itself is stunning. I'm not sure what it was before, but it's, it's definitely got character and history. Well, actually when I was watching um, that try on Mm. Tuesday, I did notice like the changing rooms looked so exquisite. It's opulent. It's luxurious. And I don't think they've had to really change it that much, you know, over the years. It's kind of stood the test of time. You know, it's got beautiful old wood and it's just, it's such a perfect setting for the luxurious brands that they stock. So they stock incredible international designers. But what I love about, well, first of all, the the volume of designers that they have for a boutique is quite exceptional. You know, you'd expect to find it in the bigger department stores, but they stock um, loads of fab international designers like Francoise, like Osman, um, Paula K or is it Paula K? I'm not or, sure. Um, I Paula K, Paula K. Paula K. Yeah, not sure. Anyway, you know, you know, whichever way you like. Um, so loads of um Italian and because there's obviously a big trend going towards the kind of Scandinavian brands, but they have kind of stuck to the Italian and the the French mm. and the Spanish brands, which is really fab. So you're they're get, you're getting a different offering. It is really nice because I follow them on Instagram and actually I always feel like going through their stories, everything they put up has a real point of difference. Mm. There's it's n- there's nothing samey yeah. about what they're posting, and I find it I find their stories really engaging. Actually, yeah. well, as a stylist, they they really they're they're set apart because you can get the most amazing, dramatic, almost theatrical pieces. But they also have the customer, which is incredible, you know. And the girls in there are so lovely. There's always so many staff members. So they're obviously doing very well, which is fantastic. But what I love is their Irish offering. So they stock Alison Keneally, um, Sarah Murphy. They do a lot of cashmere, a lot of cashmere designers. So they've Sphere One, who you've um, talked about before. Yeah. Um, they have Castanea, Castanea. They? yeah that's a super brand incredible yeah. incredible designs um, yeah so it was just really exciting to mm. see and you know 
to look at their display, you wouldn't know the Irish designers from the international designers, which I think is a really, is a great testament. Absolutely. And what a great way um, to merchandise as well. You know, yeah. because I think in the past, you know, there used to be this sort of uh, we'll have our Irish section, mm-hmm. our Irish design section. Token but, kind of. Exactly. Yeah. But but now, you know, like you say, everything's mixed in and it just really showcases how well Irish designers stand up against global international designers. Absolutely. And it's incredible. And yeah. I think I love Emporium Clou and I, I, I just think, you know, Irish boutiques are doing amazing things mm. and they're some of the best places to shop. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, definitely. And what about you, Marie? Oh, I had a very nice week last week. Spoiled I was rotten. I was spoiled rotten. Um, I was very lucky because um, Kildare Village, our sponsors of this podcast, brought me over to Bister Village. How nice. Tell us, Spill. It it was amazing. Mm -hmm. It is amazing. It's phenomenal over there. I mean, the brands that exist there. I mean, Loewe, Saint Laurent, Gucci. Gosh, Everett Prada, huge Prada store. Um, Mew Mew. Mew Mew. Mm. Pra- yeah, I've said Prada. Mm. I mean, I can't even, I mean, every mm. every yeah, major brand, Chloe, Celine, yeah. every major brand that wow. you can think of and that you'd want to shop, except Victoria Beckham, as it turns <laughs> out. I was there. I was there last year with Kildare Village. I'm absolutely spoiled rotten. And there was a Victoria Beckham store there, which, you know, I was like beyond excited about. And it turns out it was only a pop-up. So just as a side note... <laughs> Marie has been talking non-stop about the fact she's been going to go to Bister Village and she's going to go to Victoria Beckham. And that's all she wanted was to go to Victoria Beckham. So I received a text from Marie very early on, was it Tuesday morning or what day did you go over? I think we went on Tuesday morning. Tuesday morning to say... Victoria Beckham was just a pop-up and I laughed and cried simultaneously (laughs) (laughs) before Marie. So Victoria Beckham was not there, but... Victoria Beckham was was not there. Store or person. But... Acne Studios, oh, I think, nice. saved saved the day for me. And, you yeah. know, I say that, the, you know, the whole experience was mm. amazing. Um, and actually the point of being there yeah, was that was there the was a British Fashion Council pop-up store, nice. um, which was just um, fascinating. Mm. And it had some, you know, well-known designers like Henry Holland, and mm. he was actually there himself. Mm. Um, and then sort of emerging, young, kind of more obscure designers. Very so cool. it, was a, it, it was, it was a very cool mix of, you know, labels and designs. Um, and there was... Was, um, you know, an incredible amount of press there from literally all over the world, you know, Shanghai, um, you know, Paris, you know, Milan, uh, you know, from everywhere. So mm. it was a really fantastic place to be on that particular day, wow. um, <clears throat> despite Victoria Beckham not being there. Mm. But um, yeah, so um, we, we just had so much fun. And obviously we were let loose to shop for a couple of hours, which was amazing. So the Acne Studio store was Superb. I mean, so it's kind of like a concept store, like in their style. Abso- yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, and I think that's that, that's one thing in terms of how the stores in Bister Village um, are presented. Mm. They're very much along the lines of you know, they're yeah. yeah, they're not you know they they don't look or come across as outlet stores mm. at all. Mm. You you absolutely feel like you're in the real thing. Yeah. You know, um, they're 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 just they're so superbly laid out, um, edited so well, merchandised so well. Like they're beautiful, oh. and I think for me. Yeah, the winning store on the day for me personally uh, was was Acne Studios because mm. I just wanted to buy everything in it, and I I did buy a fabulous pair of um, navy cord kind of kick flares.
Paris nice. um, that lovely kind of velvety cord mm. you know so um, we had an absolutely amazing day and actually we were really spoiled because we, we stayed overnight and we went to this amazing uh, hotel for dinner and um, and we're t- we were taken to Blenheim Palace the next day which was amazing mm. it was yeah, such a great experience yeah it was such a great experience and we were so lucky because apparently I didn't realise this slightly moving away from fashion just for a moment <laughs> we'll be back Um Apparently now when you go to Blenheim Palace or anywhere like that, all the tours are, you you know, you put on headphones yeah, and you're yeah. just kind of spoken at. But yeah. we were really lucky. And, and this 70 odd year old, 70 odd year old woman, Jen, um, who used to do tours all day, every day and now doesn't do them anymore because they want people to just pick up the headphones. She we were very lucky. We got her, her to give us um, a tour that day and she was incredible. Her knowledge was phenomenal. And we had such lovely chats with her Aww. about everything. And so you, you got a private tour. We got a private tour. It and pays to, to be. With Val Ford, I'm, I'm tell telling you. you, you know, thank you, Val. It was such an amazing couple of days, and actually, I would say to anyone who's heading over to the UK, head out to Mister Village. Mm. It's so easy to get to from London. It's only an hour outside London, and there's a train that goes directly from Marylebone. Now, the British Fashion Council pop up is only there for I think another two and a half weeks, okay. but irrespective of that, um, yeah. it really is worth the trip. Like the the shopping is amazing. It's really mm. superb. So, um, yeah, I was spoiled rotten. Had a lovely, lovely week. To move on to our topic um, this week, which is um, about trends and whether or not they still matter um, to women. Um, what do you think? So obviously you have, there are two sides yes. to your perspective. Two sides you know, to Sarah. Two sides to Sarah. <laughs> Sarah stylist. Um, Sarah woman, mum. Yeah, so Sarah stylist, definitely they they still have a place. I mean, it's it's information, you know, and the more information you have, the better. So for me, starting off every season, it's the catwalk. You know, that's my Bible. That's where I start. And then I start. it starts filtering down to what are the main trends. And then I'll research why these are trends or, you know, mm. what's behind. So say the likes of Erdem and whoever his muse was and learn a bit more about that. And then obviously you're going to take florals from that. So then can you get some sort of narrative around florals for mm. spring, summer? You know, but at the same time, We've been in the, the industry, you know, a long time mm-hmm. and the same trends come around. So yeah, it's it is kind of hard to mm-hmm. put a fresh slant. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's what that's where styling, I suppose, yeah. plays a real part yeah. uh, for the catwalk shows as well. You know, just to see how they're moving it on. Because at the end of the day, Victoria Beckham showed 70s. Yeah, you know, absolutely. And, and, you know you know the same colours come back into fashion you know 70s 60s yeah. 80s 80s have been around for a long time yeah. now and Saint Laurent just keeps doing 80s yeah. anyway yeah. Um, so of course fashion is cyclical and it's wonderful for that um, so that's very much your sort of you know your work perspective on, on yeah. trends as yeah. a woman as a mum because I'm wondering um, for all our listeners who don't work in the industry mm. I'm wondering do they care about trends? Do they get excited by trends? Well, I think kind of subliminally, subliminally, mm. you can't really avoid it. Like, mm. if, especially, look, Zara is the most popular high street store and everything that you see in there, it's there for a reason. Mm. You know, these people are working, this is a tech company that's yeah. using big data. So whether they're pulling it from the Celine Autumn Winter Show with the aviator jackets, pussy bow blouses, check A-line skirts, knee-high boots, or they're pulling it from a blogger who's wearing a beige knit with a, a beige, you know, tonal head to toe. Yeah. There's there's a reason that stuff is there. So you're being presented with that stuff. And I suppose it's up to you whether or not you like it or not. But I think as kind of almost a reassurance for women, it's nice to be like, oh, I like that. I don't know why I like that. And then to be like, oh, it's kind of tapping into that 
bourgeois trend. Or I mean, whatever, I, you I know. think if you buy in Zara, you can be, um, you know, pretty much sure that you're you're wearing, you know, several of, of, of the season's key trends because, like you say, everything in Zara is is filled has filtered down from mm-hmm. from the catwalks. Yeah, literally. It, that's the well, kind of story that it is. Well, either from the catwalks or from a blogger because they, their turnaround is two weeks. Yeah, You know, true. so they're watching, like I said, like it's all big data. They're seeing what's trending on Instagram mm. and they can have that, you know, those sandals produced and absolutely produced on the and shop on the floor, floor yeah. in two weeks. Yeah. So I think influ- like influencers have a com- been complete disruptors to traditional trends. Yes. Like they are setting their own trends. If they decide that Gucci loafers are cool five years after they've come out you know Gucci loafers are cool mm. and I, like that's I suppose when Gucci loafers came out first people were reluctant to buy them because like how long are they going to last they're still around and yes. that's because of influencers yes, you for know sure. yeah. so they can kind of decide what's in and out pretty yeah. quickly no that, that's amazing. true um, I think for me when I was in my 20s I was re- I got really excited about trends mm. and I, mm. I definitely would wanted to have been perceived to be trend aware. Mm-hmm. That would have been very important yeah. to me in my twenties, especially living in London. And you know, I, I mean, for instance, we didn't have influencers then, but like you know, it was all about you know, if if you if you're not talking about catwalk trends, it was all about Kate Moss and Sienna Miller, people yeah. like that. Yeah. So you know, when Kate Moss came out in the pirate boots and the parka, like I had a parka within five minutes. Do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? As as did everyone. That was <clears throat> that was who we were influenced by. Yeah. Um. But I was I was so in tune with trends, and I wanted to buy into all the trends that I thought suited me. I didn't buy into trends sort of for the sake of it yeah. but anything I thought suited me I really wanted to be perceived to be trend aware I think that's not the case now that I'm in my 40s mm. I, I I don't really think about how I'm perceived in that way it, it, it wouldn't bother me but I think what I love about um, new trends because obviously like you I have to be aware of everything that's on the catwalk for my job it's part of it so so of course I am always aware of what's what's going on from one season to the next. But I think for me personally, the first thing I do when a new season comes out is is I shop my own wardrobe because at this age, I'm 45, um, I have, you know, I've bought into pretty much everything mm. that, that that suits me. You know mm. what I mean? I've, mm. I've bought into the 70s, I've yeah, bought yeah. into every type of blazer yeah. under the sun. Every season every, Exactly. Yeah. Um, so the first thing I do when trends come out is I actually shop my own wardrobe. I look at my own wardrobe and I'm like, right. Very clever. Well, it's, yeah, I think it makes it easier then to, to deal with what's in the stores. Yeah. Because what you're left with is a few kind of um, gaps that yeah. you, that you can fill. But, you know, I've a, shed load as you know of burgundy in my wardrobe mm. I've plenty of 70s influence, uh, influenced pieces because I would always um, veer towards those trends I don't really have any 80s influences more because staples. I'm not into that yeah. they are more stables mm. but I, I think you're right I think because fashion is so cyclical mm. and by the time you reach 45 and mm. you've been shopping since you were in your 20s yeah. <laughs> you know you, you do you, they, they do become they mm. do become staples um, and I think I guess um, I don't know I guess the word trends maybe doesn't mean what it used to. No, I think. definitely not. I think as well. Okay, catwalk trends. Might yes, absolutely. Have a, as much of a place, but it's good but to define. It's good to define it the difference, isn't yeah, it? When when you you do what we do, and it's like it is great to have that information and to see that yes, dark florals are back in or whatever, mm-hmm. or color clash or color pop, you know, whatever. Ooh. But we kind of know that anyway, you know, yeah. it's, and it's just how to put a new slant on it, yeah. you know. So, I mean, for instance, you know, you pull out the dark floral dress you've had in your wardrobe mm. for 10 years mm. and you put a Victoria Beckham, you know, coloured pole neck underneath mm. it. 
And so you an aviator jacket and, over it. Exactly. Yeah. And you know, you've completely yeah. um reinvented an yeah. older piece. You've um interpreted the catwalk trend mm-hmm. yourself. I think it's I think without trends, some of the fun goes away from dressing, yeah. maybe as well. Yeah, true. I mean I love that idea of just pulling things together and going, mm, nail that look, half yeah. it's out of my wardrobe yeah. and, and, and I only actually had to buy one piece to yeah. make that kind of work. See, I'm still addicted yeah. to new. That's <laughs> like, I'd still be like, yeah, I have that old floral dress, but it's old, you know, look at this new shiny one. But I think if I haven't worn it in, in a long time, yeah, perhaps then it, it, it feels yeah. new again. But things do, I things do feel new when I reinvent them. I, yeah. I think I, I, I do quite enjoy that. I get a kick out of that. But then I've always been a, I've always been a bit of a bargain hunter as well. So um, I get satisfaction out of, you know, not going out and spending or buying an entirely new outfit, but knowing that I've tapped into a key trend. Yeah, yeah. I do get a yeah, kick out of that. Really good but I'm, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm probably more of a bargain hunter than yeah. you. Yeah. Do you not feel that much pressure then when it comes to trends or? No, no. I don't feel, I don't feel pressure. I definitely don't feel pressure. Um, I think, and I think that the wonderful thing now about the fact that there are so many influences around us that we're not just looking at catwalk trends, we're looking at influencers, mm. influencers we're looking at street style we're looking at celebrities we're looking at all these influencers or influences sorry that you can really pick what you want pick and choose and I think you can have a lot more fun with trends they're not a directive anymore catwalk trends are not a directive anymore there is no prescribed way to dress anymore so I think pull what you like if you love 70s there'll be a 70s reference somewhere that you can draw on you know um, and it kind of takes the snobbery out of it a little bit as well it absolutely does take the snobbery out of it like because I think there has been a lot of that in the past kind of yeah absolutely feel or approach um so I think I, I, how do I know how can I tell people that I'm stylish how can I just tell the masses <laughs> <laughs> there's no easy way to do it anymore <laughs> but look at my aviator jacket and my pussy bob legs <laughs> don't you know <laughs> I- New bespoke tailoring service, Tailor Me by Savoy Tailors Guild, is launching this week at the apartment in Kildare Village. Visit the apartment this Saturday and Sunday from 12 to 5pm to discuss your personal style of suit, or if you prefer, you can reserve a tailoring appointment in advance. Welcome to Smart Casual. Um, For this episode, I'm really thrilled to introduce uh, women's wear designer Zoe Jordan. Welcome, Zoe. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me. Pleasure. Um, So, Zoe, I think, like, to me, your life looks pretty perfect. Um, (laughs) You've got got a beautiful home in Mallorca. You've got three gorgeous children. You've got a very successful business. Um, Do you feel like you've achieved a lot? I mean, you're not even 40 yet. Do you feel like you have achieved a lot? Um, I think I'm probably quite a harsh critic of myself. I think it, I, th- I, th- I think that's a tricky question. Yes, in terms of like, am I where I want to be in, you know, New Yorker, living, you know, a, a great life with my family? Yes, I think, um, I think that the, the, the business side has done really well. There's still more I want to do, but it's, it would definitely come up against a kind of trickier landscape in terms of the economic climate and mm. what what was achievable. Um, but I think I probably quite um, I like to do stuff, you know, whether it's fashion or sports or anything. So I like to if I'm going to do it, I like to do it well. Um, but yeah, I think it's important. You're right. I mean, I'm always planning the next step, and sometimes I don't look back and say, actually, you know, 
you've you've achieved in, in different areas and you know you can be really happy with with that and i think it doesn't come that naturally to to kind of reflect so much so so it's good to do sometimes mm. it sounds to me like um both sides of your life are equally important in terms of family life and and you know business the success mm. of your brand right is that the case? Um, I think I was brought up in a really entrepreneurial family. Um, and I think I was really lucky, you know, in that my dad was an entrepreneur and really kind of instilled that in us and that, that ability that we could go out and do anything we wanted to. It was something I kind of, you know, want to instill in, in my children as well. And, like, you know, it does... You know, fill me with a sense of pride if I see them playing like little games between themselves and they're playing, you know, fashion designers and Zoe Jordan <laughs> and they're like all playing different people from the studio and stuff. You know, that's a that's a great feeling. Mm. Um, but you know, at the same time, there there's definitely, um, you know, family definitely comes first um, at the end of the day. That's that's where my kind of priorities lie, mm. and I just feel really lucky that I'm able to do have that family and do a job I love too. Because what's really interesting about you as well is that you started your career as a trader in New yeah. York, which um, sounds pretty horrendous, <laughs> I think. <laughs> well, um, I, I imagine if you can deal with that kind of scenario, you can pretty much deal with anything. What was that like and why did you choose that route? Um, I think I'm quite competitive. So that <laughs> was probably at first, you know, when I was um, coming out of university, getting a job with one of the big city banks and on the trade you know on the trading floor that was kind of you know I was always slightly one of the boys so that was what they were doing so I was like well I can do that too and um and also you know I I kind of you know did have a kind of good grasp of maths and, and and finance and um um I I just I'm up for a challenge in that way. So I managed to get into this graduate scheme at HSBC. Yeah, and the first they flew me off to New York to trade the corporate bonds desk, Were and I was terrified? thrown right in the mixer. And there was, you know, it was, I, I didn't. I, I probably didn't. Looking back, I probably didn't quite know what was going on, but it was a lot of responsibility at mm. a young age. I was like 23, and then they were also would be trading the Hong Kong book as well. So I'd be sleeping yeah. with all the kind of trading positions under my pillow and they'd be calling me in the night and I'd be like, okay. Um, but wow. um, but it was, you know, it's a baptism of fire. I mean, that was, it's extremely male-dominated, extremely high pressure. You make a mistake and, you know, you can extremely, literally cost, cost the bank millions. Yeah, an and, extremely aggressive environment, I would imagine. Yeah, but at the same time, very meritocratic. Mm -hmm. And they did, you know, at the time, uh, invest a lot in us in terms of, teaching training us and, and training yeah. and mm -hmm. um travel and so i know, mean that experience support. must have um really stood to you in terms of um owning your own business and building your own business i think the interesting thing about trading is that you don't it, it's it's so um it, you need to know about politics you need to know about geographies you need to know about all different industries I mean, you really need to have a broad sense of what's going on in the world mm. and um you know these are big positions and I you know I think in terms of like a global view of of the world and business it was a good good base to have and also like reading accounts and um, reading financial figures etc so that was 
That was great. Mm. Um, and then I moved to this kind of from the trading side to more the sales side and then also got that kind of more um, the, the sales skill and the kind of yeah. the marketing skill and how do you get that person's place in order with you rather than And the communication else. that exactly. is involved. And then in you've got that trader on the other side. You need the best price out of them. And that was more kind of your marketing and sales side, I guess. Brilliant. So a really good grounding, actually, for what yeah. you went on to do. Yeah, and yeah. I think I'm just, I'm just kind of glad I pulled the plug on it and went with what was kind of a distant dream and nothing I had any experience in either because I was just going to ask you why did you turn to fashion then of all you know because like you say you were in a completely different sphere I think there were a couple of things that happened um I think I'd already studied I'd already studied design and I actually went to uni to do architecture so I definitely had kind of a mix of that kind of math slash creative creative which is kind of difficult to place sometimes um and so i i already had that kind of passion for that side of you know that that's that creative side and design side and always had a kind of love for clothing really mm. retail um that whole process and that experience and um it was kind of something I dreamed about as a kid, really, but mm-hmm. I didn't see, uh, I, I, as kind of quite academic, you know, as I was quite academic, I didn't, I wasn't yeah. pushed in that direction. I was pushed in a more kind of business finance, yes. a, a role that, you know, and that is the good jo- thing about joining the city. I mean, you're immediately financially independent out yes. of university. Yeah. And that is something that I think, you know people want for you of course um yeah and um i think you know there's more creative roles in art schools and you know it's a less clear path yeah to, to something can, kind it, of more can, stable yeah it can, it can be a um more of a struggle yeah i guess it's definitely more risky mm. so um so i think um and also i did know that coming from that kind of entrepreneurial background i did have that a spirit for something that was going to be my own and mm. i think Ultimately, as well, I didn't like being not being in control of my own freedom, and I think that's kind of actually I've discovered kind of late, you know, more recently is some like a core value of mine to mm. have to feel free and to be able yeah. to do my own thing. And it's kind of something that in, you know, you know, yeah. it's important to me. So. Yeah, and especially when you have kids, I think. Yeah. Mm. So, um, so, and I wanted. I kind of decided I needed. to get out of that world before it kind of overtook me. Yeah, because it, I think it's easy, to, spat you out, yeah, it's easy to yeah. get caught up in it because yeah. it's, you know, a very lucrative business. And I um, imagine people get addicted to the money. I mean, for sure. For, and you're you spending know. next year's next year's bonus and, you know, they get everyone's, that's what people are kind of talking about as well. So it's, um, yeah, it, it's quite, um, it was kind of a difficult decision, but... Um, but I'm, you know, I definitely right one. Yeah, I was definitely shaky leaving, and mm. I didn't really know. And my parents weren't that thrilled. They were like, "Why would you do that?" Yeah. You know, we thought you were kind of off the list. You know, like, "What? You're back? Where are you Box going? <laughs> yeah. And you're back? And what are you going to do? Go to Vietnam and like make some vests? I don't really know. You know, didn't. So definitely took a bit of faith. And just kind of an instinct, really, mm. is something you want to give a try. But mm. you don't, you, you can't really make a decision with much more than that, that you have a gut 
feeling for something. That it's the right thing to do, yeah. yeah. Because you weigh out the pros and cons, you'd stay there for ages. Mm. You wouldn't be able to make a decision. Of course, of course, that's very true. And, you know, was fashion important, um, you know, in your household growing up, insofar as was your mother interested in fashion? Was style something you were aware of growing up? I, I think so, mm. without without knowing. I think my mum is extremely stylish but in a very kind of throw on throw it together look cool way and she just has that kind of natural ability to I don't know roll up a sleeve or slick her hair back or put and it just works it just works um and I think dad you know it's quite flamboyant and quite enjoys like you know having a bit of fun with his fashion too I think I started, prob- my dad's really colorblind, so I probably, really? as a kid, 12, 13, or maybe even younger, was putting his outfits out for him the next day. You know, that sh- that tie with that shirt and, and the whole kind of look for him. And I think, you know, that, that was definitely, I would spend probably a lot of my day watching them kind of get dressed, mm. etc. And I think, you know, as a, as a, you know, young kid, um, before my brothers and sisters kind of came along, you know, we would, you know, going from house to traveling around, you know, circuit to circuit. So it was, it was, there wasn't, um, you know, the, the getting ready time was kind of five, 10 minutes and it was like put something together in like chuck it on time. And um, I think mum did a lot of kind of charity shopping at that time and going to big parties and she was probably only 21 or something and, wow. you know, going to Oxfam and buying second-hand dresses and looking fabulous yeah, in them. Yeah, So um, I think they just had fun with it as well and it wasn't, it was always practical too because, you know, for being on the at the kind of races and stuff is, you know, you're pounding round, you know, the circuit and you're, it's, it's definitely like flat shoes and kind of a cool look mm. rather than... Um, you know, anything the, too fancy right, or exactly. frothy. Because yeah. I was just going to say, um, the Zoe Jordan brand, I guess, you know, it's it's strongly rooted in what what we call athleisure now. Yeah. Um, obviously, I, I know that you, you've you always been really interested in sport, but yeah. I guess maybe that derives a little bit from that scenario when you were growing up of of it being a sort of a clothes, had to be comfortable, they had to be quick, easy to throw on. Do you think that's... I think definitely, like, a sense of freedom in your clothes, like you could go, you could do anything. So you could go from you know, from the circuit to a dinner or to, you know, like we do now, like to the school, to a meeting, to dinner with your friends. It has to be versatile now and functional. I think there's been a big move from kind of fashion to function in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, it definitely, you know, I'm, I'm feeling better if I'm looking comfortable um, and, you know, I'm more able to take on more stuff, which, you know, keeps me kind of inspired and happy but um yeah I think the athleisure thing I mean I think that's just that's how modern women want to move about they're active and traveling and you know um we don't want to living in yeah exactly Mm. exactly that Mm. um so the current collection uh, lucky enough I I, I've been lucky enough just to get a preview of it and it's it's absolutely gorgeous again you know lots of color lots of texture Mm. um lots of like really I think fresh design details I think you're very big on uh, design details that kind of um are signature of your brand what was the starting point for the current collection so the starting point actually was a a trip to Kenya we went um, on safari my mum's 60th birthday and she took the whole family so there's like 16 of us um, we were 
I mean, truly spoiled, really, with a like a Maasai wedding. We were invited to a Maasai wedding, which was one of the most kind of awe-inspiring things I've been to. There's not like no drunk relatives in sight, no drinks in sight even. They're all just in their amazing clothes in the middle of the, you know, the, the beautiful landscape, all kind of jumping up and down. So they jump as high as they can to show how happy they are, basically. And it's all about the breaths they're taking. I think they get a little bit kind of high on, on this breathing technique. But, um, no, it was wonderful to watch and all the colours and the textures and, you know, just uh, amazing people that really welcomed us in. And What a great starting yeah. point yeah, for it was a collection. So, yeah, you know? so it's just, I, I wanted to bring back something that was quite uplifting and colourful really mm. because I think especially with autumn winter we're kind of getting need, a bit dragged down yeah. into dark colours and I think definitely in Ireland I think we need colour in, in winter yeah, it, and it's, it's, it's so grey yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, you're in Spain obviously so yeah. <laughs> so I really wanted to 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 bring back that kind of upbeat nature mm. of that um, special occasion really and also you know there's um, so there's sort of tie dyes and some handcrafted artisanal um, elements some of the patchworks just slightly unfinished um, the tie dyes obviously got a handcrafted feel and then um, we've got these big kind of robes like cardi coats essentially but all like taken from the tartans that all the Maasai guys used to kind of they're wrap around they're yeah. absolutely divine mm. I, I saw them and they're, they're <laughs> just cozy. they're absolutely divine between the colour and the texture and like yeah, you say the, the shape and, and the cosiness Brought Absolutely in some beautiful. new um, fabrics as well, just to give that a bit more, um, to give that a little bit more texture mm. there. Um, and yeah, and then again, we've brought in, I mean, the, the reason I think the colour stood out to me so much as well, so vibrant, because it was against this kind of more dusky landscape and this kind of, um, you know, savannah. So, um, you know, we do have some nice neutrals in there to reflect that, just so that the colours pop mm -hmm. a bit better. Um, and then you've got some a, a nice little tonal zebra as well, just to kind of set the tone, because obviously that was, you know, the, in amongst the uh, elements there. Yeah. You're a, a really wonderful advertisement for your own brand, because um, anytime I've met you, you're always wearing your own brand. Um, Goes with the territory, it, 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 And it, it really looks fantastic. It looks easy to wear, but it looks really stylish and chic. Um, are there any other brands that you wear, that you integrate with your own, that you particularly are drawn to and think offer, you know, the yeah, kind of um, pieces that a modern yeah, woman Yeah, no, wants. I'm still quite, like, I think at, at the end of the day, I'm like a natural, you know, my uh, a consumer. Like, I like to see what's what's out there and good value and what, you know, I can kind of, uh, you know, pick out something quickly from a shot that this can, you know. I, mm -hmm. I, um, I like to um, mix it up a little bit. Um, definitely you know, like to have a good kind of bright, fun pair of tra trainers that kind of lift things. I've got some new lime green Adidas on. I've got some pink Nikes that I think just, you know, for me, I feel like I can wear those with a, with a kind of flowery dress as well. So those are good. Um, I love the T-shirts from And Other Stories. I think they do really well. And because I'm traveling a lot, I often to take kind of one of my tracksuits um, and then a couple of different tops so that's what I kind of I look out for tops quite a lot and then um if I'm you know get lucky then I'm you know we'll definitely see what they've got going on in Prada 
<laughs> because that's just I think that sportiness that that kind of um, utilitarian element that they have really really slots in nicely with with mine. So, so like this is sort of a crossover like, there. Yeah, yeah, some of those like the, I love those kind of sporty brogues that they did. The shoes are so comfortable. Um, and they just a little bit awkward you know the colour's a little bit awkward or they've just got something that you can't I also think you can't date it absolutely and there's always just something there's something like you say about the colour it's kind of unexpected about yes. the colour combinations but it, it just works because then it doesn't it doesn't go out of fashion mm. really mm. like mm. I think a lot of other brands might so this is you know probably a tricky question I don't know if you can answer it but I'm just wondering if you think um, your Irishness is reflected in your brand in any way um, it's a good question. I think um, I think there is an element of kind of fun that's there that is kind of has a bit of Irishness to it. I think you know the I definitely feel that there's a big um, there's a big element of kind of fun and enjoyment to it that I don't have that I can have here that I can't it's not so reflected in London um and I think there's also um I feel like here women of all ages like fashion and I I feel like maybe in other places it's like a bit restrictive in places I think everyone is is really involved in the fashion scene here which I think is really nice it's not just a young person's game here no no not at all I think that's true um and I think there's just that kind of carefreeness to like the brand message, as it were. Like it's not to be too restrictive with anything, but just to kind of um, go with the flow a bit more. Yeah. And I think and have fun with it. Yeah, us. exactly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I read that you're expanding into menswear. Is mm-hmm. that true? I've got some menswear. We've just we've done some bombers. Because I think the bombers really kind of can be... They're kind of unisex anyway, Totally aren't unisex. Yeah. We've got kids' bombers, uh, men's bombers. And it really just starts with, like, getting hounded by my brothers and my husband and <laughs> Make dad. Make me something. Yeah, well, what about me? <laughs> like, the girls have all the fun. So, okay. So, um, so they've all got their bombers. <laughs> and, um, yeah, we do... We've actually started doing quite a lot of custom bespoke bombers as well, which is really cool Lovely. for gifts and... Um, and everyone seems to like having their names on the back. It's a thing at the moment, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, so we're doing quite a lot of that, which is fun. And I quite like doing that more kind of like one-to-one bespoke mm. stuff. Do you well. think, um, will menswear become sort of a, a, a bigger kind of part of your business, do you think? Or, or do you think you'll keep it quite niche? I think like we this? need to, you know, there's still so much to do with womenswear, I think. And that has to be the focus. That's the focus. Um, but it's, you know, I feel like for my, I, I, I'm not, I might be wrong, but I feel like a lot of women that shop from us probably also shop for the other halves mm-hmm. um, and the men in their life or presents. So it's almost like an add-on for them as sure. well. Yeah. yeah. And finally, um, Zoe, I just wanted to ask you, it was interesting when I was, I was Googling you last night. And, um, oh, God. <laughs> well, what's interesting <laughs> is that very little comes up insofar as, you know, if when I went into images, it's most of the images are of, of your clothes, which is right. quite refreshing as right. opposed to you. Yeah. Um, and, you know, there's quite quite a small selection of articles. And it seems to me that you're a very private person. Um, 
Is that something that you've worked hard to achieve that's very important to you? And is that partly why perhaps you live in Mallorca and not London? Because I would imagine it would be much more difficult if you were based in London to kind of maintain that sort of privacy for you and your family. Um, I think it's a good question. I haven't really um, gone out of my way to do that. But I just, I I think for me, the product's always been the focus. And the press like in the publication the, the publicizing bits come as a second I always wanted to firstly produce a really strong product that I would find in the best stores in the world that was always my focus and I hadn't I haven't and I, you know probably I, I should have focused on it earlier but the, but the kind of marketing side came second I wanted to make sure that I had a stand-up product that kind of would sell itself to be honest um because that's kind of what I believe in going to a store and finding a product. And I think that probably comes from a product design, you know, mm-hmm. that product design background that I had from school from a young age. That it was find something that someone needs. Mm-hmm. Rather, fill a niche. Yeah, fill, a, fill a niche. Exactly. Fill a hole. And for us, it was, you know, knitwear was really quite dry and, and sterile mm-hmm. at the time. And, you know, in the last five years, kind of hopefully helped to add a really contemporary element to knitwear. Knitwear is now like a, a commo- you know, a part of the uniform. It's sure. a kind of a commodity piece that you can wear to work. Five years ago, I don't think people mm. were wearing knitwear to actually, work I so think much. What you've but it's done... so comfortable. Like everyone's... Absolutely. <laughs> and, and certainly when you live in Ireland, it's so necessary. Yeah. But I think what you've done, it, it, was, it used to be really, really hard to find knitwear that had beautiful patterns. Right. I used to find that really, really difficult. It's like I think a that's... beige, grey yeah. or, you know, you know. And you might get a, a stripe or a few stripes or something. And but, for us but, it was M&S, yeah. really, in the UK. But, but then, in, it's like, why can't we have something that's cool and comfortable? but mm. also got a fashionable edge to it. That's mm. something that's been kind of really thought about. And Absolutely. Considered. It's considered, exactly. And I think that's one thing that I think, your, you know, your brand really has, you know, um, excelled in, I think. I mean, oh, even thanks. just looking at you today, the knitwear you're wearing, it's, it's you know, blues and pinks mixed together, tie-dye. It's just, it's so vibrant and full of pattern and colour. And I think you just don't see that, you know, very often. And I think it really does, you know, lift not just an outfit um, but a mood as well when you wear that yeah, kind of yeah I feel of... like I feel ready for ready, ready for, for anything day. exactly <laughs> you know and ready for a bit of fun mm. exactly and not to take not to take it all too seriously too as well mm. um, but yeah I mean as, as you say I can wear this with with a heel or bit and big earrings and lipstick or just with a t-shirt and trainers and just so it back, just kind yeah. of a bit a few ups and downs mm. and um, it's, it's good definitely good for travel on that side um, but yeah, I think I think that whole um, move um, to kind of as we were talking about earlier, the move from like denim to leggings, and the move from um, to kind of form and function, um, definitely has kind of played played into that with the knitwear. And also, we we just you know we used I, I used to do kind of big collections and like full ready to wear collections. And I think that definitely since we've been able to focus just on and taking the decision to focus on just the knitwear, it's enabled us to add those more kind of considered design elements because you're not torn in too many directions mm-hmm. and try, you know trying to do too much with a small team. And you know it's yeah. really allowed us to kind of try and own a little bit of our niche. Oh, I think you certainly do that. Um, Zoe, thank you so much for coming in. It's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Pleasure.
This episode of Smart Casual was brought to you in collaboration with Kildare Village. Thanks for listening. If you like what you hear, make sure to rate, review and subscribe to us on SoundCloud, iTunes and Spotify. 